0: Strap in, folks. Welcome back, folks. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. We've foregone our usual pomp and circumstance at the start of the episode because nothing we will be covering tonight is worthy of either pomp or circumstance. (laughs) Uh, My name is Stephen Ground. I'm here with Ian Peters. Are you feeling festive, Ian? No. (laughs) (laughs) We are recording on uh, Thursday, December 21st, before and... Uh, During the Edmonton Oilers game, mostly during, we got a later start than we wanted to, Uh, But we wanted to start this because we do not want the off chance of a victory in tonight's game to (laughs) derail the train of pure just anger and vitriol that we feel towards this team right now. Or we could lose and it could fuel it. It's true. Uh, We we flipped the coin and it landed on its edge. And so we just went (laughs) with this. Um, We have a lot. Well... Not A lot, not so much a lot to cover as just a lot of we've got a lot to say, vile to get through. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we do have a couple of things we want to cover, um, in terms of the National Hockey League. We thought, with Christmas being next week, uh, that it would be a time a good time to do a standings check in. Uh, so let's do that shall we Uh, we we know that the Blues who have been the uh leader of the Central Division for much of the season, are no longer that, having fallen behind the Predators. Uh, They are technically tied in points, but the Predators have three games in hand, although they are currently being being roundly beaten by the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, The Blues are trailed by a point by the Jets, and then there is a substantial drop-off to 39 points. Uh, with a six-point difference, uh, where the Blackhawks, Wild, and Stars are all t- tied. And the not-as-feckless-as-last-year-but-still-not-quite-competitive Colorado Avalanche round out the Central Division with 34 points. What do you think about uh, that division, which is our division? <laughs> um, just looking yeah. at who's where, and do you think this is pretty much the picture we'll probably see come the end of the season and playoffs, or do you think there will be some
1: shakeup? I think it will be the same. I think Nashville, us, and Winnipeg are pretty solid in the top three. It's not so great for us, I don't think. I mean, we'll talk about it extensively. We haven't looked great, and I don't think we looked great against Nashville at any point this year or Winnipeg. And if we're in the top three, I guess unless we finish first, I suppose, we're going to be playing one of those teams in the first round, and that looks pretty bleak. Mm-hmm. So really, I'd rather we win this division and play one of the wildcard teams, any of them, or I want to be a wild card team. <laughs> and then we can just throw all our hopes out the window because what's the point? Unless
0: there is a big trade, which of course there won't be. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with you. I think the, te- the teams are pretty much set. You never know what the Blackhawks are going to do and you can't write them off, but it certainly appears like one, if not two, of the Blackhawks, Wild, and Stars will miss the playoffs. Um, right now, it's set that um, two, two three of them would make it, uh, but obviously there's going to be some change. And that is the year comes to a close. Uh, before we cover the Pacific Division, since we wanted to linger there a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about the two Eastern Conference Divisions. The Lightning in the Atlantic Division are obviously the cream of the crop right now as far as uh, points go. They have 50, which uh, very much eclipses the rest of their division (laughs) and the rest of hockey. Obviously, we mentioned the Predators and Blues are tied at 46, and they're the next closest, Uh, but the Lightning have only played 33 games, which matches the Predators, but... Uh, not the Blues. Uh, they're trailed by the Maple Leafs at forty-three points. The Bruins at thirty-nine points. Those are currently the three teams out of the Atlantic that are in playoff position.
1: And look at those games played too. Toronto's thirty-six and Boston's thirty-two.
0: Yeah, so that's a pretty big difference. It's mm-hmm. weird. I mean, it's strange to me that there can be that big of a difference.
1: Yeah. At this point, in this you would season. think three games at most. Yeah. Before.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Um, the Canadians have worked their way back towards a playoff position uh, from being down in the doldrums for a while, but they're technically not in it. They had 34 points. The Red Wings, I think, better than I expected this year, Mm -hmm. but I still don't think they're a contender for even a playoff spot and certainly nothing beyond that. Uh, They had 33 points. The Panthers and Senators both very much disappointing uh, with 31 and 29 apiece, and the Sabres, uh, I would say even more dramatically disappointing because I think most people thought they'd start to, mm-hmm. you know, right the ship and get on their feet and other cliche's this season, and it has not happened. Um, you agree with me that that's probably exactly the right order for that yeah. division, with maybe the Panthers
1: and Red Wings swapping. Yeah, I don't think that the Atlantic. Is going to have any teams mm-hmm. in the wild card spot for their yeah. division. I think that's all going to be Metropolitan. And yeah, so that pretty much, yeah, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Boston. And you said the next highest is the Canadians at 34. Maybe if they start streaking a little or they get a little hotter and Boston kind of cools off, mm-hmm. I'd write them in. So really, it's four teams. Yeah. And three of them make it. We talked about um, around
0: Thanksgiving how. Uh, it's hard, I mean, how a lot of the playoffs are already set by Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. something like 75-ish percent of teams around Thanksgiving make the playoffs if they're in playoff position. And we've talked at other times about, uh, we talked at the beginning of the year when the Blues were red hot about how those points would always count, you know, Mm. and the opposite is true. And I think the Senators, who are certainly a better team than they've played of late, I mean, obviously they were a game away from the stanley cup finals last Mm -hmm. year i think i still don't know Uh, how i don't know how they're probably not that good but they're not this bad either there's got to be some middle ground but at 29 points uh 10 points behind the bruins i just don't see how you make that ground up Mm -hmm. even with more than half a season left to play i mean it obviously could happen yeah but they'd have to play pretty unreal hockey to make up that ground and they gotta bounce they gotta jump over a florida and a montreal yeah yeah, I agree. Uh, the... Metro Division sees surprise the, surprise the uh, Washington Capitals leading in the point standings uh, with 45 points, but this is a very compact division. Uh, there's only a 10-point difference between the Capitals in first place and the Hurricanes in last place. Uh, the Devils and Jackets, Blue Jackets, are two points behind, the Rangers are two points behind them, and the Islanders are two points behind them, with the Flyers and Penguins tied for second to last with. Thirty-seven points. Uh, the surprise here, obviously, is the Penguins uh, being the second to last in the division mm-hmm. with as many, with more games played than anyone else. Although they're tied with the Blue Jackets and Capitals, uh, I'm beginning to think the Penguins maybe really aren't going to make the playoffs this year. I think there's just something to be said for they have played so much more hockey than anybody else mm-hmm. th- over the last two years, and. While they haven't lost, you feel like they haven't lost major pieces because, mm-hmm. for one thing, you think Matt Murray stepped in to be better than Marc-Andre Fleury. You can never uh, estimate the chemistry that maybe a, a Fleury had on that locker room, you know, the the impact mm-hmm. on chemistry at least. And then other role players like Benino and... Um, other, I know other pieces. I'm blanking also on who they are. Kunitz. but Yeah, Kunitz have gone. That's a lot of their, not their core of Crosby and Malkin and mm-hmm. uh, Latang and those kinds of guys, but a lot of very key contributors that are off this roster, and I think just the fatigue. Uh, we're going to talk a lot later about how fatigue shouldn't be an excuse uh, for some teams, specifically the Blues, <laughs> uh, but when you've played... Two seasons and then basically a third season of mm-hmm. playoffs in two years' time, you can understand yeah, a team being pretty fatigue. exhausted. Do you see any shakeup in that division? I mean, obviously the Penguins could
2: make yeah, up the I was gap. Like they it's could, not yeah. that big a
0: gap, but it's only eight points between them and the Capitals who are in first. But I just don't. I mean, I don't see the Devils falling off at this point. The Blue Jackets are good, a really good team. The, the Rangers, despite not having any discernible talent that I can identify, <laughs> are always the fourth team in that division. They're mm. never the sixth team, and they're never the second team. They're just always doing enough to be in the playoffs, and then somehow when they get there, they're the, they're a pain, and whoever they play is rear. Um, and then the Islanders are having a much better season than I think most people suspected. Mm. Uh, And we should touch briefly on, because I forgot to include it in the show notes, the Islanders finalized, or at least had a deal approved, to return to Long Island, thereby justifying their name, uh, and put a a stadium where I think an old horse track... I think Belmont. I think, isn't that like the third thing for the Triple Crown? Uh, So... um, That would be great to see them actually get an arena and finalize something, especially if it's on Long Island. Mm -hmm. We're not all the way there yet, but that's good news for the Islanders franchise. Um, And I love to see that. So... Uh, Moving on finally to the Pacific Division back in our conference, uh, the Golden Knights, as I think everyone assumed, (laughs) are still uh, the pace setters in this division with 46 points in just 33 games. Uh, They're tied with the Kings, but the Kings have played two more games and also have two more overtime losses and one less win uh, the Flames are third in the division now after riding a hot streak for a little while there, mm-hmm. uh, with 39 points. And the Sharks are fourth uh, with 38. The Ducks currently sit. Well, actually, the Sharks are technically outside of playoff position with our division having so much, uh, so many teams stacked at 39. But they're very close. The Sharks and or the Ducks, excuse me, have thirty six points and are further outside of playoff division with the Canucks, Oilers, and most of all the Coyotes bringing up the rear mm-hmm. uh, to group. Even those three teams together is really an insult to the Ducks and the <laughs> Oilers or Canucks and Oilers, excuse me, because the Coyotes are wow atrocious. Yeah, what <laughs> but,
1: happened to Vancouver? They were at least third in their division, yeah, be- and they've just kind of fallen off. I believe Bo Horvat. Uh, and
0: maybe another player had I think Besser got hurt the other day, so so they may be struggling with the injury bug. And nobody expected this to necessarily be the year they took off, so I think they, if they even if they contend all this year and then really load up for next year, Mm -hmm. that'd be awesome for them. Maybe get a big free agent signing or something.
1: I know with Vegas, I mean, looking at their home record, they're 14 2 1, and I think it was Greg Washinsky wrote an article that I didn't read completely, but. I'd encourage you to read completely. (laughs) Um, That basically is talking about, I guess, the Las Vegas, like, quote-unquote flu. Mm -hmm. The fact that teams are coming in there. They've never been to Vegas to play a hockey game before. And that there's a lot to see and do, and that mm-hmm. this is an advantage for the Vegas team because the team comes in extra tired yeah. from a team that, I don't know if they're going out and partying, but they're going to see sights and going to casinos and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess this used to be a thing when L- Tampa and Florida came into the league that players would go to the beach and it would be a big deal. And I guess as you get used to, in the league, traveling these places, they become a little less desirable and they become part of your... I guess you'd say, like, season routine. Mm -hmm. So you know where to go, you know what to try. And so you're not staying out late and all this stuff. So I thought that was that's really interesting for a team that has a home record of 14 two and one and yeah. is a huge entertainment city. Yeah, Wachanski a really great writer, um, and yeah, I mean obviously
0: it's a little more exciting to go to Las Vegas than it is, say, Winnipeg, <laughs> which is not specifically an insult on Winnipeg though. It was meant as one, <laughs> but if you like math, there are a whole. <laughs> There are a whole lot of teams in the NHL that don't have as exciting a metro life as the Vegas Golden Knights do. Mm -hmm. And as you said, I mean, I'm sure lots of these players have been to Vegas before, Mm -hmm. but not as like a work trip. Yeah, (laughs) I suppose it's
1: where they always have the awards and stuff. Yeah, but
0: it's a different feel. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so let's linger on the Golden Knights a little bit, just because I think... The, the more and more and more that they succeed, the more they create a strange problem, and people always say, well, it's a good problem to have, and it kind of is, but it's kind of not for uh, GM George McPhee,
2: mm-hmm. who
0: very, I would say wisely, but certainly very intentionally structured this team uh, to take on a lot of bad and one-year contracts in order to possibly flip those at the deadline and uh acquire more draft picks and prospects to build for the future now that they're leading the pacific division you see guys like uh james neal and david perron and i mean there are tons of players on that team with one-year contracts i'll pull it up and just name some of them but um you see those guys who would be you know especially james neal as hot as he's been and uh I know Jonathan Marchessault. So, as a contributor, and yeah. Marcia show, and other guys, uh, would be appealing uh, rental pieces for mm. other people in the league. Uh, what do you do if you're George McPhee about the fact that now you're a contender, you clearly built this team to trade off a lot of pieces, and now you're a contender and you're kind of stuck but between a rock and a hard place, of you don't, you can't phone it in. I mean, you yeah. can't at this point. You're too good. You've mm-hmm. sustained success for too long. But do you still want to unload some of those contracts? Try to sell it to your market as, look, this was our plan. We can't,
2: mm-hmm.
0: we can't sacrifice the plan just for one year of, you know, a good opportunity exactly. at the playoffs. What do you think about?
1: Uh, the position george mcphee finds himself in yeah like you said if they make it to the playoffs and they don't really trade anybody off and they get bounced early i don't know because they're tired or something like that Mm -hmm. um that's a really great season that's an historic season for an expansion team but that's gonna i don't want to say ruin your plan but it's really gonna put a damper on it i would think or i would hope that he would see it as a middle ground maybe take some of these guys i don't know who exactly is all on one year contracts so I did look that up. Uh, okay. They have and basically
0: an entire defensive core, uh, <laughs> minus Braden McNabb, who they've already extended. Nate Schmidt and Brad Hunt. All of the other people uh, are either ufas or rfas after the season so that counts Lucas spiza and clayton stoner who are both injured right now nate Sh- uh no nate schmidt is not uh john merrill colin miller Derek england and shay theodore are all on one-year okay. contracts of their forwards they've got Grabowski, who's injured and was a salary dump uh, but they also have William Carlson. He's an RFA, but he's one of their kind of breakout stars. Mm-hmm. And Mersha Show, as you already mentioned, as well as Neil and Perron, uh, William Carrier, who's an RFA, and Thomas Nosick, who's okay. an RFA. So that's, I didn't count, yeah. but that's probably 15 ish players. Mm-hmm. Uh, not- What's their cap room look like? So they are currently uh, at 69 million overall. They have about. Um, I'm trying to find the actual cap number. Uh, but they have what's the cap right now? It's like, like seventy five, right? Yeah. So about five ish million okay. of flexibility. With like tons going of into dudes. next year yeah. they have
1: thirty four million in commitments. <laughs> uh, so I find them and I mean I haven't watched them too closely and I don't I don't know aside from just points wise who's the biggest contributor, it looks like March so is leading with thirty one points. Uh, then James Neal, 27, Carlson with 27, Perron with 27, uh, Riley Smith with 25. Um, But I would think you want to – got to sign Marchesau or James Neal, I think. Excuse me for dropping my water bottle. (laughs) Um, I think, yeah, you got to sign Marchesau or James Neal. Somebody with some – I mean, Marchesau, I guess, isn't really that recognizable a name, but you need to have a star you can put on a banner and go, this is our – captain I, our future sort I would of. think they definitely I would say that
0: with uh, Neil as well mm-hmm. because you look at James Neal he can be a star and the hero there um, whereas if he goes to another franchise he'll be top six mm-hmm. but uh, he can kind of age gracefully towards retirement on mm-hmm. the nights as kind of the the pillar of the early years yeah. one of the pillar of the early years um, I wouldn't take that away really at good all. Fit yeah. For him, if I I think I'm not James Neal, but you know I would think he's having a lot of fun being part of this totally unprecedented dream mm-hmm. you know
1: scenario that they're in. So, so yeah, I would hope that they sign one of their a few of their bigger guys, but I could see them taking like a Eric Halla or a Colin Miller or like an Alex Tuck and trying to flip these guys mm-hmm. for like hey. I mean, I don't know. You could even be the GM and tell them, look, obviously we don't think these guys are bad. We just can't keep them. Can you give us... At this point, you just want, I would think, picks. You just want picks. So Mm -hmm. I'd take third-rounders and fourth-rounders, and you can maybe package those to move up further. Yeah, I forget how many they already are sitting on this year. Probably a handful. Ten-plus, I think, yeah. 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 And then I think they got some more in whatever that is, 2019, Mm -hmm. too. So what I'm thinking, too, is I don't know if McPhee is necessarily... Um, He's probably in the running for, uh, like, you know, GM GM of of the year. year. But I do think, I can't think of another guy off the top of my head. I think um, their coach is, like, has locked up the Jack Adams. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, you took a a ragtag team of guys that aren't bad, but they've never played together before. It's
0: not not just that you took a bunch of other teams third and second liners mm. i mean that's enough
2: but some but some it's guys that are pretty none good. of
0: these guys have ever played as a unit mm. other than you know in juniors i mean a couple of them came <laughs> from the same team but like yeah. you're starting from square one in terms of tactics yeah. playing together chemistry locker room relationships all of that to navigate that and i mean the idea that they're leading that division and Mm. yeah it's not as strong as it has been in years past but none of the teams in that division besides the coyotes Mm. are jokes by any stretch
1: sorry coyotes but it's true (laughs) um so yeah i I think you're totally right i just think there's no question i'm excited to see them make the playoffs i think um steve dangle on the steve dangle podcast made a point that if they go 500 the rest of the year they're going to end up with like 94 95 points which Mm -hmm. I'm sure make, gets them in the playoffs and I'm sure they'll do better than that so I think it'll be cool to see them in the playoffs I kind of wanted to say about the Metro too it'll be interesting to see the Devils in the playoffs mm-hmm. or some of these teams that just haven't been there in a long mm-hmm. time I I always enjoy that over when you were talking about the Rangers that are always there. I'm like, man, they could just fall off, and I wouldn't care. Yeah, I agree. Uh,
0: before we finally move on to the the elephant in the room, I do <laughs> want to since we're talking about the Knights, and well, we can reintroduce this topic later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think when the Blues lost David Perron in the expansion draft, I think everyone, myself, and I think yourself included. We're fine with that because he was on a one-year deal, and we kind of prepare. I mean, everybody has to lose somebody. At mm-hmm. least it wasn't a prospect or one of our def- young defensemen, you know, and, and or any situation like that. Uh, but when you look at what he did for us last year, and I know, I know, David Perron is the whipping boy. Mm-hmm. I was one of the favored whipping boys of St. Louis fans, and yes, he takes dumb penalties sometimes, and. St- Things like that. But last year he gave us 46 points, which was like third or fourth or fifth on the team, somewhere Mm -hmm. in there. Uh, He um, played, more importantly, he played all 81 games, uh, which only, or 82 games, excuse me, which I think only uh, Tarasenko besides him did. uh, Bergwan did as well, but very few players on Mm -hmm. our team played all 82. Uh, And he was fifth on the team in points. And this year he's got 27, which puts him fourth on the Golden Knights and would put him fourth on our team. I know it's not a Mm one-to-one transfer, but basically somewhere around fourth or fifth with Stastny. Uh, do you think that maybe we're feeling that loss more than we mm-hmm. thought we would, especially with now the injuries to Schwartz and mm-hmm. uh, the other injuries which suffered Sanford and Brodson-Hackenberg yeah. went to different points? He's
1: definitely a deaf player that— you knew could score. Yeah. Which is something that I think we'll touch on later. We just don't have right now. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of bodies and a lot of really good bottom six and I'd say he's a tweener as like a you know second, third line guy. But yeah, he's, he's a, got the skill. He's the classic middle six that you yeah. talk about. <laughs> yeah. But
0: I mean I do agree. I mean I think right now no question he could play on our second line because mm. God, we're letting yeah, anybody we play on somebody. our second line. Uh, I just, not to linger there too much, but I do think it was an interesting point to talk about. Uh, and one final note to make before we uh, st- start doing what we put off this whole time. Uh, the NHL holiday roster freeze uh, is in effect currently uh from it was started on tuesday and i Mm -hmm. think it's in effect through next thursday the 28th uh for those of you that don't know this is i think a really cool thing for the nhl to do i don't know if the nba does it i assume they do something similar but basically teams can't make trades um for this week and a little change uh across christmas and i think is there some like there's some restrictions on call call ups? I think other yeah, than like injury I situations, so. uh, and the idea is it's just as simple as these are human beings too, and you don't want to tear up or you know shake out their entire lives with a trade or something, mm-hmm. right? You know, two days before Christmas or whatever. And granted, not a lot of trades would happen naturally during that time anyway. But just to keep in mind, uh, and I'm sure we'll be talking about possible trades or need for a trade uh, later on in this episode but if even if Armstrong was desperate to make one, which I don't think he ever has been, uh, it can't happen till next Thursday anyway. That doesn't mean he can't be talking to other GMs (laughs) and pull the trigger right at 12.01 on the 28th, but... um, That is currently the case. So uh, we have two games to cover, and uh, we're going to focus on getting through the games so we can get to our disgust with the (laughs) games uh, thereafter. So uh, Ian is going to kick us off by taking us through (coughs) the laughable performance against Winnipeg in Winnipeg on Saturday, Sunday, excuse me, uh, the second game of a
1: back-to-back. So take it away, Ian um this was a bad game it was not a good game it was a bad game this was a first period where we looked good for the last 10 minutes of the period and that was it the rest of the game went downhill from there uh adam lowry scored his fifth goal of the season with the uh just within the first five minutes of the second period that put the Jets up 1 nothing. This was a case of Edmondson and Preco going after Tanov behind the net. That's both your defense and behind the net, which is not where they're both not supposed great. to be.
0: Not super. Especially
1: good. against one guy. Yeah. So that leaves Stasny out front on a two on one. He tries to block the pass, you know, an admirable attempt, but it goes through and Lowry gets his fifth. Um Then with five minutes left in the period, Patrick Laine gets a power play goal, which is his 16th goal of the season. Um, I can't really blame Allen for the loss in this game, but this goal is definitely on him. He's pretty square to the shooter. There's not any sort of movement. Laine just kind of unloads it, sort of like your classic Tarasenko wrister, and it beats Allen over the blocker with just a puck's worth of room between Allen and the post, which is really kind of a nasty one. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Mike Yo had a comment
0: on that goal. He said, uh, specifically, he talked about that goal. He said, I thought Jake played really well. Probably the second goal was probably one that he may want back. But again, you look at the quality of chances. He was there. He gave us a chance to grab the lead and to keep us in it for a long period of time. So same as what you said. Uh, Overall, great
1: effort, but that really was kind of a crappy goal to let in. Yeah, it's. I mean... I guess you'd say that when it's a 1-0 game, it's pretty close, Yeah, and then making it 2-0 isn't great. You would hope that any regular NHL team wouldn't see that 2-0 deficit and think the game's over, but with the Blues, how they've been playing lately, <laughs> that seemed insurmountable.
2: Yeah, it felt um, insurmountable from yeah. that perspective.
1: Yeah. There were two scenarios I saw a lot of this period that were both just infuriating, and they were pretty much the Blues just trying to clear their own zone. Mm-hmm. And there were two options. They were both performed terribly. It was either <laughs> the Blues slowly wristing the puck along the boards, hoping to clear the zone, only for the Jets defenseman to easily pitch in and keep it within our own zone, or it was blindly trying to pass and clear the puck up the middle for a Jets forward to just pick it off and turn it right back around in our zone. This is really bad no matter what. It's even worse when you're sloppy trying to clear mm-hmm. your zone in the second period yeah. because it's the long change. Yeah. And that's something where they really got to clean themselves up on. I think that's why we looked really terrible these both of these second periods in yeah. both these games.
0: Not to interrupt you, but just to add to that note, we had a season-high 15 giveaways in this game. Mm. So uh, that's a problem. <laughs> 15 is...
1: Uh, Staggering amount for one game, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, not not great. I noticed they threw up a little stat in between the second and third period that the Blues are two nine and one when down and going into the third period, which mm-hmm. feels right. Yeah, there's no like, well, there's no belief that this team can fight
0: back from any deficit. We
1: used pretty. to have a sort of was it the Roar Bacon year, uh-huh. when Backs is last year? That yeah. felt like a year we had a couple yeah comebacks we in the third. Did, but that is gone now. So far away. <laughs> um, so yeah, the third period, not great. Again, that's two bad defensive plays that lead to two goals. Uh, one by Shifley and one by Josh Morrissey. Shifley's, Shifley's goal is a nice deflection with Stasny's slow to defend. Morrissey, who shoots for a streaking Shifley's stick. The puck hits a stick and deflects in. Dunn also picked a really slow time to try and pick up Shifley in the slot. Um, just kind of two different players behind the Jets' players and just a really slow, what looked like a slow developing play. Fast for the Jets, slow for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Morrissey goal was an interesting one. There was a lot of Jets' uh, sustained pressure and I believe Tarasenko broke his stick, tried to defend without it, decided <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: decided to go back to the uh, bench to get one to not be you know, all on his own out there. And right when he did, that's when Wheeler found Morrissey without a man covering him. Found him in the high slot, and Morsey shot a Ristern and scored. So that was pretty much the game. That was 4-0, Jets over the Blues. Um, 46 shots to 24. Yeah. Not great. Which makes uh, 94, I think. Yeah, 94 to 54. The two games. So yeah, Not almost super. double. <laughs> uh, the Blues went 0-4 on the power play and commit 15 giveaways, like you said. Real gross. Yeah. You would think they would only at least try to improve from here, look like they have a better effort Mm -hmm. moving forward, but not uh, the case.
0: I agree. And we will uh, transition into that. Uh, The one feel-good story of the game, I guess, mm. uh, in, at, in absentia to use the fancy legal term Ooh. of what actually happened, uh, was that th- this was Chris Thorburn's return to Winnipeg. I did not realize this, but he played 709 uh, regular season games with Atlanta and Winnipeg, uh, which is the most in franchise history, which is an impressive feat. Uh, he did have... Uh, they gave him the video package and everything to welcome him back and the thank you and all of that's great. Uh, he had a quote from Jeremy Rutherford in The Atlantic. He said, It was emotional. It meant a lot. It was a great moment, one that I won't forget, just like my time here. A lot of good stuff happened to me here. My daughter being born here, a lot of relationships and friendships. Winnipeg will be in my life and my family's life for the rest of our lives. It's a chapter that's over, but at the same time, it continues. So, very confusing very words cryptic from Chris Thorburn. is he on a two-year uh, contract It makes it yes, sound like he is is. One-year he's on a one year and he's just certainly come expecting back. <laughs> a trade back to the uh win at any moment uh and then i did want to read a couple of uh quotes from the team just because uh they're going to sound very similar to quotes we uh mentioned last week or we will mention after the next game, Uh, Mike Yost said, it's hard to create offense when you're playing in your own zone. We're giving up 40-plus shots a night right now, and that means the other team has the puck too much, so we have to be sharper. Number one, execution, not sharp enough in our transition game coming out of our zone and through the neutral zone, which is uh, the point you made, and that leads to too many turnovers that leads to pressure in our own zone. Uh, He also said they're good offensively Speaking about the Jets We know that We've got to control the pace of the game a bit more I don't think we really have much control I don't think we played in the offensive zone enough To kind of tire them out Uh, It seems like Uh, We're running around in our end more than they were in Mm. their end, which is what our game is. Something we've got to take a look at. Uh, That was actually Alex Petrangelo, and I'm certain the surface he would recommend us taking
1: a look at is a mirror. Um, (laughs) I like when they talk about their game being like possessing the puck more. That's everyone's game. Yeah, I
0: have a problem with both of those quotes, and it's just, yeah. Like, it's so obvious that why are you bothering to Mm -hmm. say these things? Yeah. Brodziak came back in this game and had his 800th game of his career. Uh, Petrangelo also returned from injury and played a season-low 21 minutes and was minus two. Uh, Mike Yo said, you want to have healthy bodies back, but I don't want any focus on who's in and who's out of the lineup. We have a job to do, and certainly we were capable and didn't get it done. Um, JR listed three, something, three, three things that the Blues needed after that game. Uh, number one was somebody who can <laughs> score. Number two was a different opponent. And number three was a couple of days off. And as we are about to see... Uh, we got two of the three, we did not get the first one, and we did not get any better. So the Blues traveled from Winnipeg to Calgary, it was the first uh, time in several weeks that they'd had multiple days off, I think, uh, mm. between games, they didn't play between Sunday And Wednesday, uh, but you wouldn't know it from the (laughs) result. Uh, And this is a game that I think a lot of people were like, well, we looked okay. And the problem is that Calgary is not as good an opponent as Winnipeg. So to look okay against Calgary is really not much better Mm. than looking bad against Winnipeg. And I actually don't think we looked all that okay. But even if you want to argue that we did, it's still not great. Uh, so, this game opened with a goal from Michael Froelich, uh his seventh of the season. Uh, this was a very strange goal because it looked like it went in, and then it did not go in. Uh, but then, uh, <laughs> after 40 seconds of play, they stopped the puck, which I think they stopped it. Uh, As soon as the Blues got possession back, which also speaks to how this game was, that there was a Mm -hmm. 40-second gap between our possession. (laughs)
1: Very true. Uh,
0: But um, Pareko had had the puck behind the net, and he turned the puck right over to backwind. Uh, who took a heavy shot and Frelik got the rebound which kind of bounced high and over Hutton who was totally out of position not through his own fault in any by any means uh, and kind of knocked it towards the goal. Tage Thompson out, actually really nicely fished the puck out of the net while it I think was in air or just barely bouncing yeah. on the ice but unfortunately he didn't do it fast enough and it crossed the line and on review they very quickly said it was a good goal. Uh, it wasn't a great look for Hutton but it was pretty understandable and even he said who is a guy who is uh pretty quick to take blame even he said uh there's really nothing I can do after that first shot uh and he's not wrong uh the second period saw the Blues only goal of the game which was scored by Braden Shin his 17th uh with Pareko and Stasny assisting but this was really Shin's goal entirely he sped up uh along the wing and just kind of absolutely embarrassed the uh flames d i kept writing flyers i don't know why that <laughs> flames d uh and he just buried a wrister over uh mike smith's shoulders and it was a really pretty goal i mean it looked great and it was nice to see us score on the power play but even still that's not like a power play goal in the sense that Mm -hmm. you used your advantage. I mean, I guess he had a little more space or whatever, but it wasn't really like we didn't control the game in our zone or anything. Uh, And even this only goal that we scored was really a one-man effort. It wasn't a team effort by any stretch. Um, At the end of this period, there was kind of a small line brawl when Tarasenko shot a puck after a whistle that he clearly didn't hear. Uh, Very frowned upon to take shots after the whistle. And so somebody got over towards Tarasenko and Edmondson just charged at him to (laughs) his that. Yeah, and everybody kind of fought. Not really hard, but just kind of scrummed in the middle of the ice, which was about all the life we showed in this game. Mm. Uh, The third period saw a goal from Dougie Hamilton. Uh, Similarly kind of weird. Uh, It was a shot from the point that got to Barbashev, and Barbashev should have uh, easily cleared it, but instead it sort of deflected off him, and he looked totally lost, and it deflected towards Hamilton, uh, and he took sort of a weird off-balance shot. And uh, But Hutton was also very off-balance, and so uh, it easily went in. And that was kind of all she wrote, honestly, for the Blues, who were not performing uh, particularly well in this game by any stretch, as we've already alluded to. Uh, when they pulled the goalie, the Blues looked absolutely useless. When we pulled the goalie, mm-hmm. rather, uh, just lost and just useless. Um, There was a moment in the last 20 seconds or so where Tarasenko and Stastny both were kind of wedged into the corner. And it looked like they I mean, as far as you could tell from the video, and I'm not a hockey player, it's hard to criticize, but... It looked like they thought they had all the time in the world. There was just no concern with the fact that time was evaporating and they had to get shots on net and they never did. They kind of the Flames pretty easily fished it out of the corner and shot it down ice with a few seconds left and that was the end of the game. Um Braden Shin had, I think, a really telling comment when he said, I think it just comes down to work ethic and wanting to win. Uh, You're going to have those nights where it's not going to be perfect. You've got to grind it out, and tonight we just didn't have that effort, Uh, which sounds a lot like some of the things we said from Alex Petrangelo mm-hmm. uh, after the Jets game and Mike Yo similarly said we're just not good enough and we're not going to win hockey games until we get on the right track if you've got a couple of guys out of the lineup that's no excuse it's a matter of making sure that you're prepared to play the right way and to play the way for 60 minutes and we have been doing that um the thing is they're saying all the right things they're just not doing <laughs> them uh we'll get into the official ranting here in a minute uh but uh, I'm just trying to wrap up everything uh, that is specific to this game. Uh, Carter Hutton said, I thought they outplayed us. I thought we gave up a lot of chances and we couldn't get anything generated. Uh, no energy. I didn't think it was a great game by our end, for sure. Frustrating. And as we mentioned earlier, when Carter Hutton's kind of calling out his own teammates, that's a pretty significant mm. uh, situation. Um Just some of the stats from the game, Uh, shots were 22 to 33 flames, face-offs were 51% won by the flames, we had the one power play goal. Uh, The only bright spot in the last few games has been that our penalty kill has looked a lot better. Mm we were dramatically out hit 13 to six by the flames. We did block a few more shots, but that's mostly because the flames were taking a lot more <laughs> shots uh, and we had eight giveaways to their nine. Uh, so with the games kind of covered, well I
1: say to add to those stats uh-huh. before we get to the ranting and raving. Yes, so we've played 11 games in December. Yes. We're five, five and one. We've averaged two goals. Which
0: sounds better than you yeah. think it
1: would. It's, it's not that great. And we average two goals a game. But if you take out that six-goal extravaganza against Detroit, we're averaging 1.6 goals a game. So not not fantastic. Uh, in our six losses, including that OT loss, the Blues have scored an average of .67 goals, which I get you're going to score kind of wow. low when you're losing. But Not that loud. 0.67. Plenty of teams have lost games 4-3. To, <laughs> <laughs> to, to this point even further, uh, the Blues have outshot their opponents in these six losses, 190-175, to 175, so pretty even. Mm-hmm. That puts our shooting percentage at 2.1%, with the opponents having 10.3%. And as I'm sure everyone's heard, because it's a great stat to run, and they've said it a billion times... Uh, we've only scored one even-strength goal in our last five games. Yes, and that, just to be clear, was the meaningless one by Patrick Berglund towards the end of
0: the Ducks game.
1: (laughs) To keep us from getting a fifth shutout. Yeah, exactly. Keeping us at four shutouts (laughs) in our losses. So just across the board terrible for the Blues right now. Um,
0: And with that, let the ranting and raving begin. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to kick us off, or do you want me to... Start. We have a list of topics that we just kind of want. You <laughs> this know, it's we've been waiting for the it's whole It's like night. a five minute major, but extended. Um, I mean, you can start. Yeah, I, go ahead. I guess I'll touch on one that was just specifically we saw a lot in the post game. I love Darren Pang. I have a, a puck signed by Darren Pang over my left shoulder. It says, Canadian Holy Jumpin', and it's signed by Darren Pang. It's really to my left. It's not really over my I shoulder. I don't know where I'm looking. But none of you can see it anyway. <laughs> I was just trying to point Ian to it, who's seen it before. But in any case, <laughs> uh, Darren is sometimes too kind, uh, sometimes too polite, He's sometimes a little, a bit too of a cheerleader and yeah. optimistic. Uh, and one of the things he said that really caught me just wrong after last night's game particularly after that closing moment when it was six on five and we talked about Mm -hmm. how how lost they look was he said multiple times it wasn't for a lack of trying that the blues lost this game and weren't able to give carter hutton uh support and my Counterpoint to that would be it was specifically because of the lack of trying that mm. we lost this game. <laughs> uh, when I as I mentioned earlier, we were outshot by 11, we were outhit by uh seven with not that many hits for either team. Uh, I didn't have time of possession stats on this one, but mm. I am sure they were wildly slanted towards the, mm. f- the flames. I almost said wild. Um, <laughs> I don't know where anyone thinks the effort was in this game. Even our only goal, as I mentioned earlier, Mm. was just a a solo project. I mean, Mm. it was just an EP by our star (laughs) center, Braden Shen, and he just scored on his own. And that's great. It's better than being shut out, I guess. But (laughs) anyone who can watch this game and tell me the Blues made a good enough effort is just not watching Mm. the same team I was watching. Uh, I made a point on Twitter about just – Make no mistake, the Flames got an off night and also got two points. That's how low our effort level was. And also... Let's say we'd scored three goals in this game if we'd just played the same Mm. way, but three pucks have bounced in in our favor. I guarantee the Flames would have scored four. They played precisely as hard as they needed to to beat a team that was there and was not trying Mm. to win. Yes, both of their goals were fluky, but that's not exactly Mm. a point in our favor. It just kind of speaks to the fact that We couldn't even stop fluky goals. Well,
1: exactly. I hate that argument because we can't score goals and we're going to be like, yeah, but the ones they scored were fluky. I'll take fluky goals. I I want any goal at
0: this point. So I don't want to hear this, you know, the efforts there and they're just not getting the breaks because screw that. That's not true. You don't, a team that was leading the league in five on five goals. a, a month ago, mm-hmm. certainly, and probably less time than that, has fallen to like sixth or seventh and has scored one in five games. That's not they just magically forgot mm-hmm. or like all the breaks. It's not puck luck at that point, to quote the great mm-hmm. Lindy Ruff. Uh That's just, it is an effort thing. It's first and foremost an effort thing, and that's always been the problem with the Blues is that. They don't they sometimes just don't show up. Mm-hmm. Often it's the second period as you highlighted. Mm-hmm. Uh but whatever the case, <laughs> they just disappear for stretches and there's no real great explanation for it. And so I don't want to hear people excuse this team by saying they're trying real hard, they're just not getting the breaks. Because they're not trying real <laughs> hard. Now why don't you rant
1: about it? I'll say. Um my thought process is there. that effort was abysmal. Yeah. And maybe after sleeping on it or thinking about it more at work where there was nothing to do because it's almost Christmas and no one's around. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have a problem, too. And I don't know if this is cutting too too much to the core. This is kind of a problem I've always felt this team has had. Mm-hmm. Um, is just a skill level. I think the effort, if we had better skilled players last night and they play like they did last night we still lose either way Mm. but i think even when we're playing with a good effort and i guess i'm looking really far into the future kind of like a playoff scenario i don't think we have the skill to compete with other teams with like a jets or even i mean look at like the third line second third line of like a a lightning and i know we're that's pretty lofty because that's like the best team currently but still i'm I'm kind of in the mindset where I'm tired of this team being just good. And I want us to be better than that. And it starts with effort, but I think it ends with the fact that we don't have skilled players. We talked about it last uh, week or the week before that. We have Saboka and Stasny playing a top-six role, and I think both of them should be on the third line. Um, Fabry's hurt, sure. Schwartz is hurt, sure. I I can speak to that as far as skill being missing, but Mm -hmm. there's... We need more than just one other forward. That's not yeah. going to do it. Getting Schwartz back, I don't have the stats in front of me, but we were better with him here, but we had some crappy efforts with him in here too.
0: Yeah, I have those stats. There you go. Which
1: brings me to my second point, if I can. No, go ahead. Uh, we'll just go back and forth, full Schwar- tennis match.
0: Schwartz's injury is not why we're losing, it just isn't. Is it a part of it? Sure, but not for the reasons you think it is. So I have these stats uh, that Fox Sports Midwest put up last night uh, to describe our performance without Schwartz versus with. So with Schwartz, we were twenty-eight and two, uh, with a three thirty goals, three point three goals per game average, uh, and a seventeen point three percent power play percentage. Uh, but a 33.8 shots per game total. Uh, Without him, we are 2-4-0 with 1.16 goals per game, Uh, but 30.5 shots per game and a power play percentage of 14.3%. That is to say, that is to emphasize that uh, the Blues have dropped off to over two goals a game without Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Jaden Schwartz was not scoring two goals a game. <laughs> he scored a lot of points, but he didn't score two goals a game. And I think the bigger shot here, or the bigger point here, is that we've only lost, on average, three shots a game over that time. Mm-hmm. It's not like Jaden Schwartz only took all of the good shots and the rest of the <laughs> team took Just the bad the scraps. shots. The point is, whatever role... That Jaden Schwartz's injury has had on this team has been far more a mental and emotional effect mm-hmm. than it has been a physical or an actual on ice performance per effect. Because, like you said, yes, do we have the depth to really fill in with Jaden Schwartz without Jaden Schwartz? No. Do we have the uh, talent to carry us for a long time without Jaden Schwartz at that same high level? No, but there are two problems with that. For one thing, Jaden Schwartz wasn't our star coming into this season, Mm -hmm. not to mention the fact that he's injured every season. And I'm not trying to call him injury prone, but there is some, I mean, there's a history here. Mm -hmm. So, and they've, a lot of them have been fluky, like pucks off the foot and stuff. But if you were planning on Jaden Schwartz playing 82 games this year and that's the only way you ended up being a playoff team? Not that that was the plan. But if that (laughs) was the plan, that was a mistake to begin (laughs) with. So I don't want to see, yeah, we're worse without Jaden Schwartz. Of course we are. I mean, that's obvious. That just happens. That's just true. I mean, that's that's just just how it works. But other teams figure out how to get around Mm -hmm. injuries. We talked about the Golden Knights before. They had two players that Anyone knew their names coming into this season. One of them was Marc-Andre Fleury, who they almost immediately lost for six to eight weeks, mm. about the same amount of time as Schwartz is supposed to be out. And they thrived without him. And they also lost his backup <laughs> and his backup's backup for a while. I mean, they went through, they hemorrhaged goalies mm-hmm. who are, as an individual, a much more important role than any one forward, mm. and they are still leading the uh, Pacific division and are one of the better teams in hockey. So it's not just about the Schwartz injury, and I'm tired of us talking about it like that's a big excuse mm. for us to not win games. And I know, uh, I know that yo and team and the team are saying you know we've got to pick up the pieces without
1: him but it sure doesn't look like they're trying all that that's what i hate is it's that's always this next man up mentality which is a good mentality to have and we have no next man exactly yeah (laughs) sounds like broken english we have no next man (laughs) but it's it's befuddling because we've got guys like steen and stasny who you think would be able to at least contribute as auxiliary players and Mm -hmm. they can't even do that um shens looked okay not great tarasenko i think we've covered before is like probably in the biggest slump that i can remember he's been on some mini slumps but this feels like a, a pretty ginormous one for him yeah a point about that if i may
0: interrupt go ahead um he is currently has scored three goals in 14 games. Uh, None of those were five-on-five, to point out to that earlier problem that we mentioned. One was on the power play, one was that three-on-three OT winner in Buffalo, or against Buffalo, and one was an empty netter. Uh, And Steen, who you mentioned, is without a goal in his last 16 games. And Paul Stastny has four goals in his last 12, uh, and I think seven points maybe, but is a minus... Uh, Ten in that stretch, which is not great for theoretically a two-way center. Uh, so yeah, not to single out those guys, but yeah, actually to single <laughs> out those guys because if you're talking about our what our top two lines are supposed to be, mm-hmm. they were all projected to be part of
1: it, and none of them are performing. I think the problem too is it's to me it's all it's a, all a, an offensive problem. I think even though we had a game against the Jets where we let them four goals or something like that Mm -hmm. I think both our goalies are good enough to let us win I think our decor is fine I think in general our team defense is okay but we have we have zero attack we have when you watch us enter the offensive zone we look completely lost and I it's amazing to me that this is the same team that had Um, d-men pinching in and scoring all these points maybe that's what cut was covering up our offensive woes now that our our decor isn't scoring nearly as much where you can see what the heck happens yeah (laughs) um just watch them play it's not a matter of them not necessarily going to the net for greasy goals which they don't but (laughs) that's a whole nother point it's that we don't have an attacking mentality we get into the offensive zone and we're content, just kind of getting into the corner, uh, back to the point as we always do. And there's your block shot, and we're out the zone. And yeah. it's it's like that every time. Uh, Darren Pang and J.K. go nuts because we even get it closer than that, and I can't I can't you know short them for that because we don't do much of anything that's very exciting. <laughs> if he comes close to the post, we're already giddy. Um, there's just no sort of threat they kind of always talk about how if you're not making a goalie move left to right you're not making them work for those saves mm-hmm. which we haven't been doing a lot of but we're not even making the other team move i've seen so many times a lane gets clogged up with three bodies cuz we just take so much time yeah we're such a cerebral team and not in a good way. You just watch other teams, like even the Flames, they're reading off each other so easily and it's there's always a guy open, there's a guy moving his skates. We just have so many guys just looking at each other.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I I don't want to say it's a leadership thing, but it's like, could someone take the reins could somebody yeah. just start hammering away does it have to be scotty upshaw who who gets this team going i mean i'll yeah. take it but
0: yeah i agree and a, a sub point on that we mentioned those three guys mm. uh, specifically not performing it isn't to single those guys out but one of the problems with this is like i think we always look at um this situation we look at well somebody's got to step into schwartz's role
2: mm. and
0: i don't think that's a really good idea because, I mean, it's obviously a bad idea because none of the other guys are Jaden Schwartz or we wouldn't have this problem. But I think the the thing, the way we should look at it is the other guys that are already on his level should elevate their game that exactly. much more so that the guys who come up, you know, Vladimir Soboka comes up to play with Stastny and Steen or whatever the case may be, he looks better and he, they make opportunities for him to excel mm-hmm. because they're playing better. But when, go, when Schwartz goes down and then those two... Two guys play like dog crap, basically. <laughs> I mean, and we've praised how well Stastny's done for much of the season on here, uh, but he certainly hasn't been doing it as much lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's a significant problem. And like you said, we we knew this was coming. I mean, we were saying the first week of the season, mm-hmm. we're one significant injury to our top six away from just devastation. Uh, and now we've had that injury, and yes, Steen is back. Yeah, Easter's back. But it's exactly what we assumed mm-hmm. would be true, um, which isn't an excuse. Like I said, I really don't think the Schwartz injury. I don't think we are losing because we don't have mm-hmm. Jaden Schwartz's production, but we can't. Like, we just can't function as a team without. Mm-hmm. You know that identity. And speaking of identity, the the last point I wanted to make, and I think it kind of speaks to uh, what you're talking about, because um, there's a you know in the trade rumors around the boys, a Mm -hmm. lot of it is I don't think they'd be interested in a rental. Really, they want a hockey trade. They want a guy who's got term, so that they can you know especially if they're going to flip guys like Walman or Schmaltz or. Huso or whoever, I'm just throwing out some of the prospects that might be appealing. They want significant like, commitment from the return there. Uh, but one of the things I think, we love Doug Armstrong, and I think rightfully so because he's made of, as you said, a good team for a <laughs> sustained period of time. But I do think one of his weaknesses is, his strength is obviously drafting. Mm-hmm. His The whole team he's created with him and uh, his not-brother, Bill Armstrong, <laughs> and uh, the other people involved in that process, Marty Bredor, whoever has a hand in it. I mean, we just hit home run after home run. Mm. Uh, we got Schwartz and Tarasenko in one year. Uh, draft Petrangelo like fifth overall. Perigo in the third round or fourth round. Mm. Uh, Huso... Uh, looks like Robert Thomas is going to be a, Could be a huge star Quim and I mean The list goes on and mm-hmm. they're not all First round picks yeah, And even they're doing the guys who are are rarely Top ten first round picks You know, Which as we talked about last week Gets substantially harder to hit yeah. On the picks that are later In the first round So that's obviously their strength uh, Their weakness, really their black hole Is free agency because they don't rarely do anything in free agency their one substantial signing in the last few years uh, is um, Stastny who you had to make that signing at Mm -hmm. the time we've said all, all along but it has not worked out as you hoped it would by any means. And then other than that, we've had depth signings. And the occasional Scotty Upshaw, who's like a PTO that becomes yeah. like a long-term player, but that's not the design.
1: Was Paul Korea our last big signing before Paul Stasny? I mean, we could be missing one for sure, but... Uh, I can't think of anybody else. That just... That, uh,
0: I mean... I mean,
1: you know, I know we can't, you can't make a splash in the FA market every again, year, but...
0: Yeah, but again, I mean, the signings that we do make... Brian Elliott was a free agent signing, oh, yeah. but we brought him in to be competition for Ben Bishop, basically, mm-hmm. and he stole the job. Like even the signings that work out, you know, Kyle Brodziak's been great um, for this team, and he was a free agent signing, but he was signed to be our fourth line center, mm-hmm. you know. And I think you might be right about Korea. Um, I can't think of anyone else. who... Yeah would fill that role. Uh, But not to go off on that tangent too much, although we should investigate that uh, in the future. But the, the point I wanted to make here is I don't know that trading is a weakness for Doug Armstrong because I think he's made a lot of trades that improve this team in significant ways. And I think he has rarely, if ever, really hurt his team through a trade. You look at the kind of blight on his record as the Ryan Miller deal, mm-hmm. but when you look at what he gave up, it was Chris Stewart, mm-hmm. who never did. Who anything we got rid the, of yeah, yeah <laughs> right. Who never did anything for the uh Sabers and who we were trying to get rid of. Euro Halak, who they also got rid of. I think a first round pick mm-hmm. that hasn't become anyone significant. Yeah, I that don't I know think. Of. And then. William Carrier, who's now on the, or excuse me, Carrier, I learned, Ugh. this year, <laughs> who's now on the I'm glad Mentioned Golden Knights. Up. Um, and you look at, like, the Bomeister deal, uh, you can debate the merits of it having the hindsight we have and the contract we've given him, but we had to make some deal to give Petrangelo a partner at the time, and we gave up almost nothing in hindsight. So, mm. you know... I don't think he's ever made any terrible trades. Brower, maybe, he, is an argument. But um, we were getting rid of Oshi that year anyway. So not to belabor the point. The the main point I'm trying to say <laughs> here is I don't know that he trades with an identity in mind. Like, I don't know that he goes into a trade thinking, we need this player because he fills X role on this team that helps us become better at X or have more let's say, speed or size or because we're trying to be a faster team or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, or because of their chemistry with whoever. I don't think that's really the case. To take a look at the Braden Shin trade as just proof of this, Braden Shin trade, we've we've gone on and on. Brilliant move. And I think despite his recent slight downturn, that's mm-hmm. the entire team downturning, so I'm not going to hold that against Shin specifically. Uh, but is that like what was it about Braden Shin besides availability that made him the piece (laughs) the Blues had to have and I think the answer is nothing and that's not an insult at Braden Shin but it's worked out for him to be our top line center this year Mm -hmm. but not really because he's a playmaking top line center that we needed Mm. he was playing right wing uh, almost exclusively for the Flyers And so we took a gamble even trying to trade for him as a center, and it's worked out very well. But I don't think you can point to a specific thing where uh, Doug Armstrong said, this is exactly why we need Braden Shin other than to make a top six addition. Mm -hmm. And he did that, and it worked great. So I'm not trying to entirely criticize him. But if we're going to add to this core, and we have to, I mean, we have to, if we want to have any like pretend chance of making a run this year, we must, mm-hmm. and certainly in the off season we have to. But I really would hope that he decides. You know, are we going to be the uh, kind of stifling, uh, strangling, big-bodied team of the Hitchcock era, where we just really focus on locking down the back end? and scoring two more goals than the <laughs> opposition because we shut them out and scored two goals, <laughs> or are we going to try and be the faster team that I think Mike Yeo wants to run and that I think we've gotten faster, but I don't think we always play fast. Mm-hmm. And part of that, and we talked about in the past, but part of that was because there's always a guy like Latera, like Steen, like whoever, that's kind of an anchor on the speed game, and you can't rev up a whole line if one of the guys is significantly slower than the other guys. So... That went on way longer than I wanted to, but just I hope that this team can form an identity because that's what happens when you lose players like Schwartz is if you have an identity, you can overcome that a lot easier because he's just a cog in the bigger boys machine, a very important cog, but a cog nonetheless. But if you are the, if your identity is the team that Braden Schwartz – or Braden Schwartz – Braden Shin, <laughs> Jaden Schwartz, and Vladimir Tarasenko all play on, and then one of them gets injured, so you become the team that just Braden Shin and Vladimir Tarasenko mm-hmm. play on, that's kind of a stilted analogy, but that's a, a much harder loss to overcome, you know, so to uh, – Forgi- I hope you will forgive me for going long-winded on that, but it was a point I wanted to make. Uh, did you have any other rants you wanted to get to before we move towards the end of this debacle?
1: <laughs> no, I think you made a really good point that it's just lacking identity. I think mm-hmm. that just that sums up all of our losses. Look effortless, we look like a mess because what are we? Yeah, we kind of looked like we had one at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. a little bit with of defensemen jumping in and just kind of being a five-man unit sort of team but you're right it's lost now and I hope we do something moving forward I'm kind of excited when you were talking about the fact that I mean I agree with you we have to get another forward Mm -hmm. like it's a must if we don't at the trade deadline I'll be honest. it's a. I mean, I'd be honest anyways. It feels like a first-round bounce. But if we get nobody, I'm putting money down in Vegas. It's a first-round bounce because there's just no way. Yeah. There's no way. We don't have the fight.
0: I mean, we, we'd we have to be a first-round yeah. team facing a team that's just so bad that we can beat them. The Ottawa Senators. <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> we yeah, gotta be on like that side. The Flames,
0: yeah, yeah. whoever. Because, as we said, last night was a terrible effort and they still scraped by us, you know? But <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Uh, if we're playing anybody in our division, we're getting strangled for sure, mm-hmm. probably <laughs> in six games after we win the first two. <laughs> so uh, And I think you made a really good point just before we move on to our last two things, uh, which are short. don't worry. Uh, <laughs> but um, when you were ta- when we were texting earlier, you kind of you especially about the first line center mm-hmm. thing, we kind of wait around and hope that somebody, becomes that for mm-hmm. us and we granted we tried with Paul Stastny and it burned us. But like you know, we hoped we keep drafting him, you know, we hoped it'd be Thompson, we hoped it'd be Cairo. Now the hope's probably on Thomas. And maybe one of those, maybe especially Thomas, the way he's just skyrocketed and scouting and everything lately, becomes that guy. But that's not a great strategy for a team that's trying to win now mm-hmm. you know, and it's way too soon to think about this. But you always have to think about the fact that Petrangelo and Tarasenko aren't going to be around forever. You know.
1: Oh, I have th- thought about and it. it.
0: Well, and if you want to build the core to win with those guys, you got to build it. You can't just wait for it to mm-hmm. get here. You know.
1: That's a good point. That's what's so frustrating is we have we have players here. I'd say we have the the corest of the core. Mm-hmm. We just need that next tier, and yeah. we're just waiting for one of those $1 bills to turn into a $10 bill. Yeah, exactly. Or we're taking 10 $1 bills and just shoving it at the problem and mm. going, that's the same. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so
0: before we wrap up, we do have an, uh, a hockey tweet of the week every week that we talk about. This is less even, of a— Even sadder? Is yeah. this one even <laughs> this sadder, is sadder than what we just talked uh, about? This is less of a— a tweet, although I'm sure he did tweet about it, but just a strong recommendation of the article uh, that Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic wrote called Alex Petrangelo, hardest thing I've ever been through, strengthened commitment to be a good person on and off the ice. Uh, this is, of course, behind a paywall for those of you who are not subscribed to The Athletic, but seriously, and I mean this. Like passionately, if you are a Blues fan, you must subscribe to this. Jr. is so good. The coverage of the NHL overall was really great, but mm-hmm. Jr. is freaking phenomenal. And I didn't appreciate him as much as I should when he was with the Blues. But we, I mean, I at least in writing the show mm-hmm. notes read everything he writes because it gives us such good insight. Um, but this this article is more of the human side of the story uh alex petrangelo suffered a miscarriage a year ago a year or so ago mm-hmm. uh he and his wife uh, jane and this touches on uh that tragedy in their life as well as his many uh brushes with cancer in people he cared about uh mm-hmm. who struck fought with it Uh, But also their marriage and um, some happier things, some stories about Bacchus passing on the sea to Petrangelo. Just a really great look at who our captain is um, and what motivates him on the ice. Uh, Just an awesome, awesome article that you should definitely check out. And on the brighter side of things, uh, there was also an article having uh, several different Blues players evaluate Scotty Upsholt's goal celebrations, Uh, which is a lot of fun, so you want to check that out as well. And then finally, uh, before we close out, uh, the World Junior Championships are starting up in the coming week. I think they've started some exhibition games, but um, we are going to be covering them more in depth either on one of our regularly scheduled uh, podcasts or on something else. (laughs) Or on another time. (laughs) Uh, But the Blues sent uh, six prospects in total, To uh, the junior championships, uh, with one of them, Tanner Kaspik, having already been sent home. But he was invited to Team Canada, which is like no small feat. There are a lot of Canadian prospects. Uh, But the five prospects uh, with a Blues uh, association who are currently in the tournament or scheduled to be are, of course, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, uh, two guys that are tearing up the OHL this year. Um, In terms of overall points, and uh, Thomas especially, who, as we have mentioned, is just absolutely shooting up prospect rankings, Um, really hard not to get too excited (laughs) about that kid, Um, also wrote uh, Unwell. If you've heard of that song, very catchy little dude. <laughs> with very good. And the, um, we'll never let the Matchbox 20 jokes die. Um, <laughs> but also, we will be seeing uh, Clem Kostin, the Russian prospect that we drafted with the 31st overall pick this year, play for Team Russia, which will be cool to see him return to international ice mm. and get some bigger exposure. Uh, has, I don't want to say struggled, but hasn't necessarily exploded in the mm. AHL this year. Like, uh, many player, many fans hoped, and we both, yeah. not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but we were uh, very uh, forthcoming and cautioning fans who expected him to step right into an NHL role and be a superstar from day one. With the injury he suffered last year, with being 19 or 20 or whatever He's he 18. is. 18. 18, yeah. exactly. And with transitioning from the international to the American game, you can still be a great prospect and not make mm-hmm. that jump in no time. I mean, I don't think Pavel Datsuk even did that, you know. So, exactly. Um, give him time to develop. This will be a good uh, good test for him. And then two kind of lesser-known uh, Blues prospects who uh, made their teams primarily because they were from smaller countries <laughs> with uh, more need for prospects. Uh, but Philip Helt. Uh, is with the Czech Republic and uh, Nikola, Nikolai, <laughs> uh Craig Christensen is with Denmark uh, we don't know a ton about those prospects, I, I know I've heard Helz, uh, Felts Helz, Philip <laughs> name more than Craig Christensen's uh, but we will uh, do more research on them in the coming days certainly when we talk about the team and track their performance uh, but I, I mean, I don't think I'm Belittling those guys by saying the three, three big guys to keep an mm-hmm. eye on are Kyrou, uh, Thomas, and Costin. Really watch how they perform, uh, and this could be a stage I think, especially for Thomas and Koston, uh to some extent, to really just kind of make a name for themselves mm-hmm. and kind of take the juniors yeah. by storm. Well,
1: Thomas most certainly already has. I've read a few different boards where. Uh, other other team's fans are already like, man, this was like a really good pick for the Blues. Yeah. This guy's looking like a stud.
0: Agreed. So uh, that's exciting news to end a Hooray. less than
1: exciting The show. future could be bright.
0: Uh, the, the Blues game with Edmonton is currently tied. Nothing, nothing, entering the third. Uh, we Fun. went much longer than we meant to, so we'll have all the notes, thankfully, we didn't miss a ton on that uh, when we record next, uh, I assume, Thursday. Mm. And... Uh, I guess we have Christmas between now and then, so Merry Christmas to all of you. Yes, Merry Christmas. Uh, happy belated Hanukkah to those of you who celebrate. Have a
1: kick in Kwanzaa. Uh, have
0: a kick in Kwanzaa and a tri- terrific uh, whatever you celebrate if it's something other than those things. Boxing Day? Boxing Day, sure. A beautiful
1: Boxing Day. I don't know what they say. I used to think that was about boxing.
0: Wonderful winter's festival, if you're something else. I don't know. Anyway. Freaking Enjoy whatever holidays you will be or have been celebrating. We will talk to you next week. Good night.
2: See ya.